Branding Badass, and welcome to Season 2 of Branding Matters. My guest today is Aliza Freud, founder and CEO of She Speaks, the leading influencer marketing and media platform connecting brands with female consumers. Aliza and her team help brands like Hershey's, Prudential, Kraft, Coca-Cola, and others create and amplify authentic influencer content. Prior to founding She Speaks, Elisa worked at American Express and she led branding and marketing initiatives around the world. Elisa also is the host of a podcast called She Speaks, How She Does It, which features female CEOs, actresses, producers, authors, and athletes who are shaping our world. I invited Elisa to be a guest on my show today to talk about influencers and the value of influencer marketing. I wanted to know why more and more businesses are using influencers to promote their brands. And I was curious to get her point of view on how COVID has impacted the industry as a whole. Elisa, I'm so thrilled to have you with us today. Welcome to Branding Matters. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure to have you join us today. This is super exciting. I want to dive right into it because you have so many amazing things that I want to talk about today. So let's talk about your career. First of all, you were at American Express. You had a pretty important role there. And then you decided to leave and start She Speaks in 2008. What inspired you to start it? And tell me, what's your mission with She Speaks? My mission has always been to build a stage for women, hand them the microphone. So basically my job, I feel like our obligation to our community is to amplify women's voices. And that has been our mission since the beginning. We've evolved in terms of how we execute that, but it is the same mission, which I love. So the launching of our company when we started was, it was a research company. We were meant to be building a panel of women, helping brands better understand what was going on in the hearts and minds of women. And that was it. But after we launched, we started to see that a lot of the women that were joining on our panel, so to speak, on our our research panel, were what you now call influencers. These were women who had blogs. They were very early adopters of social media platforms. And we kept saying to them, hey, we want you to be in this study, but you can't write about it on your blog. And after doing that a few times, you start to think, well, wait a second, maybe there is an opportunity here to work with these women who are joining our panel in more of a marketing capacity, not just a research capacity. That's kind of how we evolved. What do you think it is about She Speaks that has made it grown so quickly? And what's your secret sauce, do you think? I mean, honestly, I think it's just we have lots of opinions about the products that we use, what's going on in the world. We have opinions. And I think that a lot of us like to share those opinions. And I would say that is the MO of our member. The thing that is common with our community is this emotional idea that women are looking to share what's on their minds and we are conduit for that. And that's why what I said earlier about building that stage, the women in our community are the ones that are on that stage. We feel very, a great deal of responsibility towards our community. And I think that's why the community continues to grow. It's just kind of interesting. There is this idea or this 
this interest that women have, I think, to make things better. We want to help. And that's the commonality we have with our members. Oh, I agree. Do you think maybe there's a part of it, too, while you're talking to me and I'm listening to you say all this, that women so desperately want to be heard? One of the reasons that you are so successful and your community has exploded is because it's a safe place where and they know that they're going to be heard and that you're helping them sort of take their voice out into the marketplace. Their opinions matter. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that is a big part of it. And it also then makes sense that a lot of the women who were joining, as I said, in the early days, were now what you call social media influencers. Right. That's also the common theme that they have something that's on their mind that they want to share with people. They want people to hear about it. They want them to see a part of their lives. They want people to know what's going on with them. It's in a bit more of a public realm. When you look at it through that lens, the women who were signing up early days of She Speaks were now what you would call social media influencers. Great segue, because I want to talk about influencers. You hear that word a lot. What makes a woman, because we're talking about women specifically, what makes a woman an influencer? And can anybody become an influencer? Like, what is it that makes someone an influencer? I'll answer the second part of that first, which is, I do think anybody can be an influencer. I think it depends on where you want to influence and what you want to influence. (laughs) The definition of the way we think about influencers is it's somebody who has built a following of people who want to listen to what they have to say. They want to hear what's on their minds. They want to hear what's going on in their day. They want to hear about products that they're using. So it is a group of people who have built that trust. I mean, there is an inherent trust that an influencer has with their audience, with the people who follow them. And great influencers take that responsibility very much to heart. And they recognize that their audience trusts them and it's their responsibility then to be authentic and real in what they share with their audience. Are you talking specifically for social media? Can you be an influencer without being on social media? Yes. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people, when you think influencer, you automatically think social media. You think, you know, Instagram or TikTok or... For sure. I mean, you think about it, a professor, let's say, who's not on social media is influencing a classroom of students. That professor is influencing thought and influencing how people think about things. And with social media influencers, they're just much more in the public realm and they have a following that you can count. And that's why this has become an industry and in particular one that you associate media dollars with. Because if you think about how brands typically spend money, they have media budgets, which is about reaching an audience. And once influencers were able to show that they had scale and they had audiences that you can actually look at, you could see the audience, you could see how many people were following them, you could see how many people were engaging with their content, which is maybe a little bit of like a viewership number. So you are able to really understand the scale behind the influencer. That's why social media influencers have become the influencers we talk about. But the truth is that influencers have existed for all time. I think almost everybody influences somebody else. It's just the question is, what's your sphere of influence? Let's talk specifically about social media. So is there a specific number that an influencer has to get to, to actually be considered an influencer? And then I have a second part to that. I've heard, I've seen that, you know, if you're an influencer, 
influencer if you have 10,000 followers or if you're an influencer of this. But then there's also that whole thing where people can buy followers. How do you know what's a real, you talk about authentic and genuine, I want to get to that, is a real influencer versus someone who's on Instagram and let's say you look at their following and they have 20,000 followers, but they really haven't done anything other than pay someone to send them those followers. So what's your take on that? There are shenanigans, so to speak, that go on in the space. And that's what you have to really know what you're doing in order to understand is somebody for real or are they not? And, you know, this has happened many times in the past where people will go out and as you said, they will buy followers. And what you really need to do then is look at the person, look at their content, look at their engagement, and don't just look at how many people engaged or how many engagements they got. Look at the actual comments as Mm -hmm. an example. See whether people are actually talking with them actually engaging on the content, because that will give you a much better sense for whether the person is for real or they're just buying their followers, right? So there are lots of things you can do. There are systems that also allow you to do this. Because we do so much influencer marketing, we use systems that help you understand what percentage of an audience followership is real. And there is software out there that does that. So what I would say though, is that the cream always kind of rises to Mm -hmm. the top, so to speak. You know, Ultimately, if someone is authentic and real in terms of their audience, A, just by looking. And then, as I said, there's also software that allows you to really suss out, are they bots or are they real people? Right. And I think what you said earlier too, it's all about content, right? If you're getting value, if you're actually checking out what an influencer is posting and doing, I think that says a lot about who they are. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about brands. What I understand is you match brands with influencers. Is that part of what you do? Yes. Yes. How do you do that? So our clients are the brands that hire us to basically quarterback the process, right? So we will do everything from figure out who the right influencers are, make sure that the messaging and what we are trying to achieve for the brand is going to work in this medium. And that's super important. So we'll do everything from the upfront. We do the research to understand who the right person is. We then find the right influencers. We brief them appropriately, tell them what to do, quarterback that process, as I said, and then watch the results. Anyone who's listening who might be doing an influencer campaign, I highly recommend don't just think about the influencer for what they're going to push out organically on their social. Think about how you're going to do paid distribution of that content because you're investing in the content. You might as well optimize it optimize the content. And I will tell you that influencer content is performing. We've been testing influencer content now for years against control units from brands and the influencer content nine times out of 10 is outperforming the control content from the brand to the tune of 160 plus percent. So if you're going to invest in influencer marketing, invest in doing the paid distribution because it's just going to let you get more bang for your buck. How much do you think the pandemic has had to play in that? The pandemic has absolutely affected influencer marketing. And I will tell you at first, it affected it very badly in the sense that brands, rightly so, were worried about 
not wanting to seem frivolous. You know, we're well, dealing sure. with a pandemic. And then in the summer of 2020, enormously important social discussions were yeah. happening in the US and around the world. So those things definitely give brands pause because you don't want to step in. If you're a brand, you want to make sure that you're being smart about anything you do in social. Once brands kind of moved past the concern of, you know, okay, how do we do this and how do we do it well? I think what happened was you also started to see that brands realized that, first of all, social media engagement during the pandemic skyrocketed hugely up. And that means that influencers were seeing more and more audience, right? They had more and more followers. Engagement rates were going through the roof. At the same time that that was happening, right? Engagement rates skyrocketing on social media, social media usage skyrocketing. You had other traditional channels in marketing like out of home, or, you know, some of the other channels that even in store, people were going in stores on mission during COVID. They were going for exactly what's on their list. If they were going at all. If they were going at all, they were going on a mission and they weren't like meandering maybe through an aisle. So a lot of the more traditional marketing channels that brands were using were no longer something that they could do. So once that started to happen, brands realizing that, okay, social media engagement is up considerably and some of where we normally put money is now not as effective because we're not going to see as many people driving by our billboard, just for example, right? They started moving moving that money into digital. And then you started to see budgets increasing significantly in influencers. Forbes just reported that in 2019, influencer marketing budgets from brands was about 8 billion. And by 2022, it's expected to be 15 billion. And it's because you're seeing people switch to digital and now people are much more comfortable. I mean, think about the adaptation of people doing online groceries when they did in the past. We've had enormous increases in people buying products online that maybe they weren't doing before. And then the last thing that happened to make influencer marketing increase so much in terms of budget that's being allocated for it is the fact that influencers have been filling a void, a creative void. You can't do those expensive, crazy shoots, and not even because of expense, because during COVID, you weren't flying 30 people out to a shoot. It just wasn't happening the way that it was happening prior to COVID, but you still need content. And and if social media usage is up so dramatically, you need even more content. And influencers are a really efficient solution for creation of content. Wow, that's so interesting. You were talking earlier, and this is another thing that people talk about time is authenticity, especially on social media. I always wonder when you see somebody or you see an influencer on social media and they're drinking their can of whatever, you know, and they say like, wow, this is my favorite cola or they have a hair product. Like I use this hair product and it's my favorite. You see it everywhere now. And part of me wonders, well, not wonders. I mean, I think I know that they're getting paid to do that. So there's blurred lines between what what's authentic and how much of it is really this influencer human being on social media sharing about their favorite products versus, well, they're getting paid this much money to do it. So how authentic is it? Yeah, that's a really great question. I love that because it is incredibly true that you will quickly lose your audience if they sniff out inauthentic content. And I think that 
is the heart of why people need to recognize that influencers, they know what their audience wants and what they don't want. And they are highly sensitive to saying something that is going to erode their credibility with their audience because they want to continue to have that audience. They want to continue to have sponsored opportunities. So when you're working with influencers, I actually think that good influencers, which we try to work with good influencers, they are way more worried about how a piece of content is going to come across to their audience and that it be authentic versus we might be worried as the ones working with them, right? On behalf of the brand. So it's important to them because they don't want to lose their influence. So that is that very much the case. And what I would say though, is so somebody who's going to post, this is the, my favorite seltzer ever. I'm just making it up. My yeah, favorite yeah. seltzer ever. And then a month later, this is my favorite seltzer ever. And it's a completely different brand. That is going to fall flat. What we are finding, and I will just give you a kind of a simple example. We do a lot of work with Hershey's and they have a lot of different brands. One brand is Reese's. We found out that an influencer, a celebrity influencer that we wanted to work with, this celebrity influencer, who you may not think of that person as somebody who's eating, let's say, Kit Kats, <laughs> because they're healthy, they're very much, you know, talk about that. So why would this person have credibility? And it would come across as an authentic if they said, you know, Kit Kat's my favorite chocolate bar ever when you think this person doesn't really eat chocolate bars. So what we found out though, is that we wanted to work with this influencer because we did think that they had the right audience for us, but it wouldn't have come out as authentic if this person said, this is my favorite candy bar. We found out that the influencer's daughter loves Kit Kats mm. and actually had asked proactively for a Kit Kat birthday cake, completely unrelated. So we were able to lean into that and say, okay, we're going to have this be about the influencers child's love for this product with the reason that one of the reasons the influencers are target be was because the influencer had a large mom following and had children that were of the age that might ask their parents hey would you get me Kit Kats next time you're at the store so you really want to think about who the person is and even if you have your heart set on somebody you have to make sure that it makes sense what they're going to say. So it's on brand, so to speak. Yeah, because it doesn't make sense for an influencer who doesn't eat a chocolate bar to say, this is the best chocolate bar ever because you're paying them. You need to make sure that the messaging makes sense and that it has an authenticity. All of those things are, the boxes are all ticked on that. And ultimately that the creative is inspired, the messaging is inspired. I find this so interesting because I think it's very topical. So when an influencer is doing a post, whether it's a video or just a static picture or whatever, how much do you dictate the messaging and how they position their branding and what they wear? And how much do you just let them run free and be, again, their authentic self? And what role do you play and what role does the brand play in the voice of what the influencer is doing. I'm glad you said that word voice. If you're doing it correctly, you're not at all meddling in the voice because the influencer's voice is their voice. How they speak to their audience is how they speak to their audience. If it's going to work, it's going to have 
to be in their voice. And it's going to have to make sense for the messaging has to make sense for their audience. So the way we do it is there are obviously required elements, which product has to be in the shot, what things that maybe we want them to hit on in terms of the messaging, but the words and how they say it has to be in the hands of the influencer. We might look at draft copy because, you know, it's never exact. It's not a script necessarily like them reading from a script, right? Right. That's what I was wondering. There's no script. There's typically a storyboard with a loose script. When you're talking about working with some of the bigger influencers, there's typically that, but there's not an expectation that they're going to read it word for word the way that it is maybe on paper. It's meant to be a guide. There may be certain words that you don't want them to use. So you say, hey, steer away from these words and think more about words that are kind of like this if you're going to describe the product. But at the end of the day, the influencer has to say it in their voice and it has to ring true for their audience because Mm -hmm. otherwise it's going to backfire. There are too many examples of influencers coming across inauthentically and then it backfires. It backfires on the influencer and backfires on the brand. Do you think that influencers are more in touch with their audience and the consumer then than the actual brands they represent? In terms of their audience, yes. Influencers engage with their audience on a very regular basis. They see what people react to. They see the comments. They know what their audience thinks and cares about. And if you decide, if you're a brand and you decide, okay, this person demographically has my audience, right? I can see that the age of their audience is this and that the sex of their audience is that and that they live in these geographic locations. So you've ticked the boxes of what you have on a demographic profile. But at the end of the day, what that influencer understands that maybe the brand doesn't is the psychographic component. What drives these people? What resonates with them? What do they care about? Because if you're creating content all the time and you're seeing how people react to it, you're going to get a very quick read on what people care about and what's going to work. One of the most important things in influencer marketing, when you're running a campaign, trust your influencers. Now, of course, they have to be with certain guidelines, but trust them because they understand their audience in a way that is so incredibly important and special for actually connecting with that audience for your product. Would you say psychographics are more important than demographics? You know, there's a reason that for all these years as marketers, we've used demographics, but with digital and with social media, you find that there are psychographics sometimes that are really what's bringing people together and an audience together that you may not really get at by just looking at the demographics. And because of the engagement, there's more and more engagement that we've never gotten more feedback than we have today. Because in traditional advertising, traditional marketing, whether it was TV or radio or billboards or any other traditional advertising, it was just you sort of speaking out to your audience. Now there's polls, you know, you see all the time on stories where you're asking for people's opinions and you're asking for help and you're asking for their input. So you're learning more and more about the individual and you're getting more of those psychographics, right? Yes, exactly. And that's the beauty of it. You think about what is valuable about what you can get in social media, you are having a dialogue. 
the traditional ways that we used to market is not a dialogue. It was just the brand speaking at the consumer. We need to have a dialogue. In order to have a relationship, there has to be some way to have a dialogue. When I started working and talking to people about building community and what social media gives you the opportunity to do, which is build community, I would say, if I told you, go off and build a relationship with that person over there that's standing over there, but only you can talk to them. They can't speak back to you. You can't engage each other in a conversation. You would tell me it's not going to be that easy to build a relationship with them if I'm just talking at them. But that's how marketing has been for so long. A one-way communication. And that's one of the things I love about what social media and digital has allowed us to do is create a dialogue. Right. So if someone's out there who's listening and they either think they're influencers or they want to be an influencer, they'll reach out to me. They want to be on my podcast, let's say. And they're like, well, I'm an influencer. And I think I'd be really good for your podcast because of it. So what advice would you give someone who either aspiring influencer, because now I guess that would be considered a career. Is that fair to say? Uh, Sure. (laughs) You make a lot of money, right? There are a lot of kids making a whole lot of money and there's a lot of people of all ages. But to your point about, is it a career now? It is. I was talking with one of our influencers the other day and she's hugely successful. She has a fabric line at Michael's. She has product lines at Michael's. She's very successful. And she told me that both of her children are now influencers. That's (laughs) what they do. And she said, can you believe that this is a job? It's a career? And I said, well, you're a living example example of how it's a career. So why is it surprising that your children are pursuing this as well? And they're, you know, just kind of starting out. So yes, it is absolutely something that people now think of as a career and was certainly not a career option when I was kind of Oh, no kidding. So do you have any advice that you would give an aspiring influencer to how to get going and how to become successful? Because ideally, I think if you can sign on with a few brands, and that's where you start making big money, what would be some tips that you would offer. I would just say, focus on your content, focus on being authentic and genuine and creating good content on an ongoing basis to build your audience. That's what does it to build a legitimate, authentic following. You have to be consistent. You have to be authentic. You have to know how to create good content. And there's more nuance there. What works on TikTok is different than what works on Instagram, which is different than what might work on Pinterest. The platforms are different, but if you are somebody who aspires to be an influencer, pick a platform that you feel comfortable on and make it your mission, make it your job to create content on an ongoing basis. Try to make that content as high quality as you can and as authentic and real to who you are as you possibly can. That's great advice. So where do you see the future of influencer marketing? I'm curious. I mean, it's been on this trajectory and obviously the pandemic has had a huge influence on it. So post-pandemic, how do you see it change? or do you see it changing? Who is hot is going to always change, right? There are seasons for people that people tend to kind of have their seasons. And there are definitely some who stay very relevant for a very long time. But I think you're always going to see that, like who is popular, who's not kind of shifting. There's always going to be new people coming up. And that is one of the, one of the most I think one of the most interesting parts of what we get to do is find that talent as they're coming up. And if you have a, you know, if you have a sense for what good content and good talent is, if you catch people out on their way up, it can be a great way to build a relationship, right? Within, within influencers. So I do think that 
who is popular and who is influential in different categories is always going to be an evolving thing. What I think will remain the same is I think people are starting to recognize that influencers are kind of like media channels. And it, and that's the way we've thought about it for a very long time, because people will say, why is it that this person is, you know, getting paid so much for doing this? Well, a lot of influencers have audiences that rival cable TV shows. I mean, mm-hmm. the audiences on a popular primetime show. So you're reaching, it's the same idea. Why do people run at television spots? They run them because they want to get access to that audience that's watching during a show. And this is different. It's not like people are, um, if they're watching live, let's say, they might be getting up and going, doing something else during the commercial break. When I worked at American Express, we used to say, we know that we are wasting 50% of our budget, our ad budget, if only we knew which right? You don't know. Your job is to reach your audience with your message and do the best job you can in reaching your audience with your message. And And connecting with your audience. That's right. That's right. And that's what influencers can help you do. And in my opinion, as I said before, if you think about the value of an influencer, they're helping you create great content, right? So they're actually doing the creative and helping with creative. They're helping you with the audience reach, with the awareness. They're also driving direct sales. You can put links to drive an actual direct attributable sale to that influencer. Yes, there's a lot a lot of discussion about where the industry is going to go. But I think when you have those core elements, and as somebody who grew up as a brand marketer, I think to myself, when I allocated my budget, I thought about where is my target customer and how do I most effectively reach that target customer with my message? Influencers are able to do so many parts of that, the creative, the awareness, a direct sale. They're able to do so many parts of it. I don't see it going away Oh, yeah. I don't either. I, th- I see it like exploding more and more. So I asked you earlier about, can anybody be an influencer? And you said, yes. Should all brands be using influencers? Or do you think there's any brands that should maybe stay away from using an influencer? If you have a lousy product, don't use influencers. <laughs> I say that very earnestly. I don't, I know it sounded flippant. I didn't mean it that way. If you have a product, so I will tell you, I'll give you an example. Years ago, we were approached by a cigarette brand and they wanted to use influencers. I said, absolutely not. We will not work on this. We will not do this. And well, other people are, other people do it. First of all, I don't believe in the product. So maybe that was a personal thing too. But if you went to an influencer and had an influencer try to talk earnestly about the fact that they're smoking and it's going to backfire on you. It's going in some way to backfire on you. So I think if you are a brand that has a product that is inherently not safe or you, you know, you've had an issue, you've had recalls or don't be in the space. Hmm. If it's, if it's even, let's say it's a temporary thing, be quiet for a while, let things kind of settle, make sure that you've dealt with whatever the issue is. And then you can kind of use influencers and go back to it. But that is our rule of thumb is we look at what your product is, how it's perceived, and what's going on for you 
at any given moment? Are you having a crisis because you've had to recall product or whatever? And that's when we would advise that you not run out into the space right now. Wow. Interesting. What about cancel culture? I mean, you have an influencer out there, you have a brand out there, they decide they're going to work together. And then either the brand or the influencer, because, you know, it could be one or the other, does or says something and all of a sudden now one of them is canceled. Have you ever come across that? And how would you deal with that? Because everybody's getting canceled, right? I mean, we're living in this cancel culture, which is another topic. At a now, no, it's an excellent point. So we tend to work with large brands that are a little bit more on the conservative side in terms of who they want to work with. So we are very cautious about that element. We will look at people to understand what is their history, what's their tone, hmm. have they had issues, what's going on with them. We tend to not jump into a space where an influencer is sort of on the fence, that we have very sort of strict guidelines for who we will work with. Now, that doesn't mean that something can't happen. Like, you know, you know, you never know. But I will say that if you are smart about who you are willing to work with, what their history has been, how they speak to their audience, what their politics are. If somebody is posting every other post about politics, maybe you don't want to necessarily engage with them for your product or service. And and I, I don't mean just posting about politics. I mean, posting very like whether it's one extreme or another, depending on where you stand, if that is what someone does, I think if you're a brand, like the kinds of brands we work with would probably steer clear of that. Is that to avoid any sort of controversy? I mean, there's so much. I mean, that's not the business they're in. And and I'm a big believer. I want to say that too. I'm a big believer that if you're a brand jumping into a conversation just because it's trend, it's a trending conversation is not the best approach. Hmm. And that doesn't mean that people don't want to know from a corporate standpoint wh- where you stand, but from a brand standpoint, a brand tweeting, a brand, like you have to be thoughtful about what space are you in? What lane do you reside in? And be smart about what conversation you're going to engage in. If it is something that you just think is, hey, it's trending, should we jump into it? If your brand is not a brand that is known for that, then why do it? I totally agree with you. That's a really good point. But what about the idea of there's a lot more demand out there now for brands to have a purpose and to stand up for something and to stand up for what, what you believe in? For example, I think of like Patagonia. I don't know if you, you yes. know, your recent campaign that they did, right? They're very vocal about their, you talked about politics, about their political views. I mean, do you think it's encouraged or do you think brands should stand up for what they believe and vocalize it? And same thing with the influencer that want, they want to partner with, or is that something that you don't recommend? So I assure you that Patagonia did a whole bunch of research before they decided to launch any campaign that they did, right? right. They know that their psychographic of their customer going to embrace what they stand for. I think that other brands have to be super careful about if they are not, if that's not what they're about, if they haven't built their brand around that, you have to be careful about whether you're going to jump into a topic that is political, that is polarizing, because if you have no business being in the conversation, don't be there because it's a conversation everyone's having. It's not the way to go. I think you have to be really thoughtful about 
where you are going to jump into a conversation and what your place in that conversation is. Now, I'm not talking about the people who work for the company. I'm talking about the brand. The brand is not a person. Now, yes, we personify brands, but what I'm talking about now is brands being smart about who they are in terms of what the brand stands for and what their audience thinks of them and how the audience thinks about their brand before they go jumping into a conversation. Right. So then what about the influencer though that they partner with? Is there a certain mandate where, okay, if we're going to partner with you and we're going to have you be our influencer and promote our brand all over social media, we don't want you talking about X, Y, and Z. You can dictate what they talk about in the post that you're paying them for, but you can't dictate what else they're going to talk about. Right. You build some sort of right. long-term relationship and maybe yeah. they will agree to certain things. But the process of picking the influencer is such an important critical step in the process because you have to know that you're getting into a relationship with the right person. Or if you're going to do a post with them, it's a one-off post, then I think it's still really important to know who you're dealing with and choosing that person correctly. But it can become a reflection on the brand. That's the point, right? Brands want to, they want to build their brand based on who they associate with. So you always have to keep that in mind. Before we go, I want to talk about your podcast. So you have a podcast that's also called She Speaks. Can you tell us about the podcast and what it's about? Yes. Well, the podcast is a passion project. We launched during the pandemic. We launched late 2020. We were finding that our community of creators and influencers were telling us they were feeling stuck. They were feeling uninspired. On the one hand, there was all this stuff with our health that we didn't know how sick people were going. The the numbers were just rising. I mean, it's not surprising that people were so incredibly stressed out and feeling stuck. So we felt like, okay, well, what can we do? We want to help people not feel so stuck. We want them to feel better. And we thought, well, we are a company that's all about raising voices of women. What if we got some of our amazing women that we've worked with in the past, influencers in the world of media or fashion or publishing or entertainment, we got those women to come onto our show and we shared their stories. We had them share their stories of what's gone great in their life and what are some of the hiccups that have happened along the way. So that's really what it was. It it really wasn't a business supporting type of thing. It was something that our team just felt so passionately we wanted to bring to our community. We launched, it was really for our community. We've gone beyond our community, which is so cool that, Mm. you know, we have these people who maybe have no idea what She Speaks is as a business, but they know about the podcast. Every week we feature another amazing woman and her story and her struggles to do what she does. And that's what it is. That's great. You know, when you and I had talked originally and you told me about your podcast and you shared that with me, what I really found interesting and what was appealing is you talked about people sharing and celebrities. You have quite a few celebrities on, which is pretty amazing. They share their story, but they share about their struggles and how they overcame it. Because when you see a lot of, again, influencers, celebrities, whatever you want to call them, you put them Mm -hmm. on this pedestal and you see them in a certain light. And I love the way you humanize them and, and or they humanize themselves and they share their vulnerabilities and their challenges. And I'm so in awe and I admire women 
women and all people who have really overcome challenges and come out on top. So I think that's what makes it a little bit different than some other podcasts that might be out there. That's why I wanted to make sure I explained where it came from. We wanted these women to understand that some of the most successful, amazing women out there have fallen flat on their faces. And how did they move past that? That's one of the things we spend time talking about. And, you know, just lots of things about how do you go about building whatever it is that you dream to build? And it's not all roses and ice cream. (laughs) And keep going. And don't let the naysayers stop you from following your dreams. Wow, that's so inspirational. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Like I said, I've enjoyed talking to you. So, Elise, if people want to learn more about you and about She Speaks, I assume you're on social media. What's the best way for them to find you or reach out to you? The best way to reach me personally is I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. That's probably the social platform I'm the most active on. I'm just Elisa Freud on LinkedIn. You can find me there, Elisa underscore Freud on Instagram. And then of course, if you want to follow She Speaks, if you're a woman over the age of 18, you're welcome <laughs> to join. Go to shespeaks.com. And then you can also follow us on at She Speaks Up on Instagram and on the other platforms. Wonderful. Well, congratulations on your incredible success and the growth of She Speaks and the podcast as well. And it's such a pleasure talking to you and meeting you. And I look forward to staying in touch with you. Yes, sounds great. Thank you for having me. All right. Bye. And there you have it. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and maybe learned a few things to help you with your branding. But most of all, I hope you had some fun. This show is a work in progress, so please remember to rate and review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. And if you want to learn more about me and what I do to help my clients with their branding, feel free to reach out to me on any of the social channels under, you guessed it, Branding Badass. Branding Matters was produced, edited, and hosted by Jolie Goodson, also me. So thanks again, and until next time, here's to all you badasses out there.